Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmor, Albion Park, Anandera and Warilla. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Shane Warne looking at me with the big, bold headline, Warney dead. To put it simply, I can't believe it. Yeah, it's an absolute shock, isn't it? I mean, at 52... Uh, he's such an icon of Australian sport. Uh, and the tributes have flooded in internationally, as well as uh, obviously from Pakistan, where the Australian team are at the moment. We had Rod Marsh only 24 hours before that, who passed away as well. You know, another great of Australian cricket. And I think, you know, I think everyone has memories about where they were when they watched Warney with the Gatting ball and, and some of his great moments in cricket. So yeah, it's, it's an absolute shock, and I think the nation's a bit a bit rattled today. We'll have more on Rod Marsh a little later in the show, but I want to bring in our first guest, a regular host here on Saturdays in the Gong, Matt Campbell. Good morning to you. I know you're in isolation, which is nothing compared to what we've woken up to this morning. Shane Warne gone. Your reaction, mate? Yeah, morning, gents. Morning, everybody. Yeah, what a... Um, oh, geez. Such a shock. Um, you know, 52, it's just not old enough. And, um, you know, with the shock of Rod Marsh first, it's... Um, Quite an amazing story, really, and uh, to be waking up, I'm sure Australia's uh, um, holding their hands, uh, their head in their hands at the moment. Matty, we have you on because you're a host, great friend of the show. Uh, I know you're in isolation, which we'll get to later on, but this first segment, we want to just talk a bit more about Shane Warne. And to set the scene, there was a, a famous delivery uh, in 1993 at Old Trafford. This was Shane Warne's first Ashes delivery. Best ball in test cricket in England for Shane Warne. And he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. Gatting has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. He still doesn't know. He asked Kenny Palmer on the way out. Kenny Palmer just gave him a raised eyebrow and a little nod 
and that's all it needed. I know we're hearing it there, but I'm sure our listeners can picture every frame of that famous delivery, the so-called ball of the century. Matty Campbell, you're the professional athlete in the midst here as a former Illawarra Hawks captain. What emotions go through you as you hear that Shane Warne delivery played again? Yeah, like, uh, you know, as an athlete, you, you walk onto a stage, you, you know, you, you're getting your craft right, you're doing bits and pieces, then to be put on a stage like the Ashes and come up with a delivery like that one, um, ball of the century, as they call it. You know, pretty special person we're talking about. And, um, you know, his ability to be able to change games um, was something that we, we, we have seen it in different parts across different countries with different bowlers. But, you know, you look at the consistency that Shane Warne did it over multiple years and, and the level of success the Australian team had during why, why he was so good and, you know, he's a big part of it. Like, you know, everybody else, though, yes, they were talented in all the different areas. But, you know, that I think he was really that sort of that ace in the deck from our point of view to be able to change the game up. And, yeah, it gives you goosebumps just listening to that, that um, you know, that replay of that um, audio there. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's I'm still shocked, to be honest. I, you know, obviously lived life to the fullest, as we all know. And um, But, yeah, just uh, to hear that news today is so saddened. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually really like the comparison because Warney changed the game. You know, there are, there are a handful of players in different sports that you can genuinely say took the game to a different level or changed the game in the way it was played. Spinners in particular, you know, traditionally were finger spinners. Their job was to tie up ends and build pressure so the quicks at the other end could go and rip in and do, do their job. But Warney could do it all. You know, he... he these big ripping spinners that he was able to deliver but he could also build pressure while he was going at it you know he could attack he could defend he had subtle variations I mean obviously 708 wicket speaks for itself but just phenomenal you know and I think going back to that gadding ball you you look at the 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 reaction on Mike Gadding's face and you just knew how special that moment was because we see cricketers at every level make excuses about how they got out but in that moment Mike Gadding knew that that was just way too good. Matty Campbell, what about these numbers? His test career from 1992 through to 2007, 145 tests, 708 wickets, the most in Australian test bowling history at 25, great average. Um, and I want to go to one of his most mm. famous deliveries and again come back to you, Matty, about how you would approach such a big moment as the hat-trick ball from the 1994 Boxing Day tests. Six down for 91. Warren continuing. Oh, oh and they hit the pad. Yes, he's got him. That's out. LBW. That hit the pad and that is the end of De Freitas. Well, he's kept them so quiet. Thanks for that. To run off him, and now Warner's struck as well. Oh, and that's out. Caught behind. Yes, he's got his fast ball. Beautifully bowled by Warner. Got 
pushing forward, a faint little touch there. It danced a little bit, may have been off the glove or perhaps high on the bat, but that is the end of Goff. Two wickets in two balls, what bowled? Is it? Here we go. Fleming took the last one. Merv Hughes before him. in his career what a catch by David Boone you won't see many better catches at forward short leg than that one the Aussies are all around and have a look at that Fleming alongside Warren there the last two to take a hat-trick for Australia what a moment a few greats there yeah, yeah I mean that, that was awesome wasn't it that's unbelievable that, um, you know, it, as an athlete, like you said, he's, he's walking in there on a great stage um, and to, to get a... To, to, oh, what's gone through his head for me when I listened to that it's, um, you know, audio grab is, like, how does he prepare himself to do something different? Like, you've got to think the batsman knows he's going to do this or that. Just to be able to put that ball where he did on that um, hat-trick was unbelievable. And I actually watched that earlier today. Um, you know, with all the bits and pieces that pop up on your phones these days, to, to see it, that that's the fine tingling, you know, moment that Shane Warne gave us as a as a cricket. And it was across 15 years at the top of his level. And yes, it is cricket, probably not arguous on your body, but you know, I can't imagine his the shoulder injuries and bits and pieces he had to go through with the way that he ripped the ball. Like, you know, he, he truly was an exceptional cricket player, but I think it was more because of the brain than the physical attributes that he that he progressed, um, you know, as, a, as an athlete. Now, you've caught the ball and uh, been charged with sinking a big three-pointer, or you've stood on the free-throw line and had to nail your, your charity throws to win games. It seems that the bigger the moment, the more Shane Warne relished it. Fair assessment? Fair assessment, definitely. You know, and, and he did that in everything in life, I, I think. You know, the, the knockers on him would definitely see that from him. He he didn't shy away from any opportunity, whether it be on the cricket field or off the cricket field. And, you know, I think he loved those big moments. He loved the limelight and, um, you know, part of which made him such a character. And, you know, that's, that's the part that in Australia you're either loved or, or hated. And I think the people that loved him loved him from his ability to, to step up on on those big moments and, and produce. And the, the people that hated him was the tall poppy bits and pieces that, you know, that, that um, Australian typically don't like. So, yeah, it's um, an amazing to be able to, to, to continually throughout his career produce in those moments. And, you know, that's what made him very special as a cricketer. I think we also need to pay tribute to how deceptively athletic David Boone was there in that <laughs> hat-trick ball. You know, it's, it really is one of those moments just diving away with his, his little big frame managing to uh, hold yeah. it up off the ground. Yeah, you didn't think that he had reflexes like that, but um, yeah, his hand-eye coordination was something special as well. Well, Matty, we are going to obviously make this show about Shane Warne this morning, but how about we take a quick break, then we'll come back and just deviate slightly and talk more about your sport, basketball, with the Hawks in action tomorrow after winning midweek as well. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong, thanks to Charlie's Liquor Barn, Wollongong Golf Club, our fantastic hosts, Impact Garage Doors and one agency, Zydler Waller. Back in a moment. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmore, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. I can't catch him. Shane 
Bob Strauss. Well, you got the feeling he was right in the script, Shane Warne. Way back in Perth when he took wicket number 699 to remove Monty Panesar. He'll be delighted that wicket number 700 has not just come here at the MCG on Boxing Day, but it's also Andrew Strauss. Bloke was playing well, and in front of his home crowd, he holds the ball aloft. Well bowled, Shane Warne. Wonderful career. And no better way than to hit the stumps for wicket number 700. Yeah, another great memory of Shane Warne. 700 <coughs> test wickets on that occasion. He finished with 708. Sadly, his age number, his final number, is way too low. Shane Warne gone at 52. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong. Matt Russell, Tim Burrow and Matt Campbell dialing in. Matt, we know that you are in isolation. In fact, I can see your house from where I am broadcasting <laughs> here. Wollongong Golf Club. I can see you on the back veranda there in the nude, sunning yourself as you like to do on a Saturday morning. Have you yeah, bought rank with the family there, Matty? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've kicked kids out of there, mate. So they're all uh, doing their usual things on iPads and phones and stuff. But, uh, mate, this skin doesn't get naked, mate. Let me tell you that. I don't like the sun that much. So, well, I like the sun. My skin likes it too much, too. I go red. Again. When are you out of ISO? <laughs> uh, Tuesday. So, yeah. So, unfortunately for us, we've... Um, the second of my daughters is uh, picked up COVID. So um, school camp last week, good old school camp, has knocked about 10 of them out. So, um, yeah, just narrow, ticking off all the uh, maintenance uh, schedule that I have for the house uh, at, through the week, which is not great. So, well, don't fall off a yeah. ladder. Don't delay your return to Saturdays in the gong. What about the Hawks? Uh, we want to talk about the Illawarra Hawks, who during the week were too good for New Zealand, and convincingly so, 102.87. I'll just update a few of the key numbers there. Justinian Jessup, 23 points. Sam Froling and Timmy Conrad, eight rebounds each, and uh, Xavier Rathan Mays, seven assists. So uh, a lot to like, a lot of promise in that win against New Zealand on Tuesday. But now they have to beat a top-four team tomorrow, Maddie, South East Melbourne, in Tasmania and South East Melbourne mm. overnight, too good for Adelaide, 83-76. So while the Hawks have won four of their last five, is tomorrow the test where we will learn more about the Illawarra Hawks? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you're right with the um, New Zealand game earlier in the week. I think they were good in patches. I still think they've got a lot to um, improve on. I thought, you know, sharing the ball was better. Intensity levels were up. Um, good to see Justinian and Jessup getting going and, um, and and some of the some of the lesser lights showing some potential again. So I was I was, I was okay to watch that game against New Zealand. I thought they were better, um, but yeah, the real test is going to be tomorrow up against the top fourteen. Um, really need to to win this game really to establish themselves and continue their confidence build from yeah four out of five games they've won, but you know they've all they've been against lower teams. So this is the first time they've come up against a, a team that's in form. Played last night. Um, did really well, obviously, against Adelaide. Um, you know, Mitch Creek's playing outstanding. They've, you know, they've got some real skill set at the moment. Um, the the Melbourne teams are really the two teams to beat, at the, uh, and they're showing that. They're first and second on the ladder. So for the Hawks, to get that win tomorrow would establish them as a top-four team and put a bit of fear of God in the rest of the league. Yeah, Mitch Creek overnight, you mentioned him, 29 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, just one 
Phoenix play the Hawks must contain. In the ladder, it goes Melbourne, South East Melbourne, Perth, Illawarra in fourth, Tim, Sydney in fifth, the Hawks and the Kings with an identical 10-7 and seven record. Yeah, they're going to be living dangerously the whole way in, I think. I mean, we've no, we know that they've dropped a couple of games at home that they probably thought that they should have won, and now they've got to go and bring them back from uh, from travelling on the road. And Maddie, we, we spoke to um, Brian Gorgian there last week, and we touched on what uh, going away for a run of games can do for a group. I guess it can can make or break. It can really sort of galvanise a team. And I guess with that incentive of um, of going for the top four and still having that character chase, you know, what what's it like? I guess with that sort of group and and uh, you know being on tour when you when you know that you know there's a chance of playoffs at the end of it. Yeah, look, I, I actually think as Gorgian said last week, I think it'd be great for him. I think. It'll be a bit of a, a, a building um, from there, and the pressure that comes with playing a multitude of home games in a row uh, really builds. Like you're meant to win home games, so the pressure on the team to to perform and win at home was probably extreme, especially with Gorgian. You know, he, he's used to winning, so I think now that pressure will be off. Um, I think now they can get back to let's find the style that's going to suit the group um, and try and get on a bit of a run. So. I actually see it as a positive for the team's point of view. And, like, I'm looking at the ladder as we speak, and it is so tight. Like, yeah, Melbourne sit on top with 12 wins, but, you know, we, we've got 10. So we're only two wins really behind. we played more games. So it, it's a real five-horse race the way I see it to, in the run into the final, and none of those five teams are safe. So I believe that, you know, the, the five as it stands right now will be the, will be the teams that make the four. Um, it's just going to be a matter of who can get on uh, the biggest role. And, um, yeah, and then obviously comes down to percentages. So, you know, the, the win during the week for the Hawks to get a bit of a percentage build, they scored 100 points for the first time in a year. Um, yeah, there's just some of the things that they've got to be focused on. But for me, it comes down to fundamentals. Go back to playing hard, sharing the ball, um, show some intensity and play every game like it's the last. And, yeah, it's going to be a real interesting run into the finals. I'm looking forward to it. What about with the scouting with South East Melbourne? Like we've seen this season that the Hawks have matched up pretty well against Melbourne United. And if these are the two sort of standout teams, what do we expect taking on South East Melbourne, knowing that you've probably got to go through them to win a championship? Yeah, look, look Mitch Creek's going to be a nightmare for us um, tomorrow. He's um, he, he just doesn't match any of our guys. Like um, yeah, we don't have anyone who can handle his kind of mobility for a for a big. Um, he plays the four spot for people who are listening out there, but he's undersized, and that's a real Achilles heel for us. Um, you're gonna have to put someone like a Sam Prowling on him and hope Sam's got the quickness to be able to handle it, um, which he does. Um, but again, you, you know Sam's a good three four inches taller than him, so it's gonna be it's gonna be real difficult for us to be able to contain him. Um, and, and the ability that um, South South East Melbourne have to be able to get him open off on-ball screen. So you're not just playing him one-on-one where you can get your feet set and, and try and slide your feet. You're going to be coming out of close-out situations. And, yeah, he, he's going to be a bit of a nightmare. The guard rotation they've got at the moment um, is doing really well too. And then they've got shooters, you know, Glidden's back into their mix. I thought he played really well last night. And just, as a facilitator, not not really scoring the ball, but... You know, really sort of help their rotation. So, you know, all in all, the South Mal- Southeast Melbourne team's a really well-rounded team. Um, there's no one special other than Creek, I think, that's really going to kill you. But um, yeah, it's, um, for us, I think 
you know, maintaining our, um, our style of basketball is going to be the key to it. Um, and sharing the ball. Like, I just think if, when we share the ball, I think we're really hard to guard. Okay, well, that was probably the answer to my next question, but I'll give you the chance to elaborate. Having played more than 500 games for the Hawkeyes, Matty, you've forgotten more about basketball than most people ever know. What's the one thing you want to see from the Hawks tomorrow, top of the priority list? Yeah, look, I, I think um, two things for me. I'm going to say two, not one. Um, okay. I just spoke about sharing the ball. I think that's a key. I think, um, you know, you've got a lot of weapons on the team, but... You know, if you starve some people, I think they get a bit too greedy and they just want to take the ball and shoot it. I think we need to really work on moving the ball around, getting other people open. And the second one for me was the intensity level. I think um, defensively, I think we need to be up the floor and showing that consistent level of defensive pressure. Um, and that also helps the rotations, right? Because people will get tired. So, you know, they're the things I think that are the key for the Hawks moving forward. I think sharing the ball and uh, defensive intensity. Okay, we'll keep an eye out for that tomorrow. Now, also tomorrow, the Kings play Cairns at Kudos Bank Arena. That game's from three before the Hawkies are in action. And the Kings are on a five-game winning streak. It hasn't been missed by Australian comedian Dave Hughes, who spotted Kings coach Chase Buford and declared that he had quite the man crush for Chase Buford in his first (laughs) year as Sydney Kings coach. Now, in the spirit of Mardi Gras, Matty, tonight at the SCG, I'm going to ask the panel... Uh, given what Dave Hughes said and given Mardi Gras is tonight, who have you had a man crush on over the years? And I'll give you some thinking time because I'm going to go straight to Don Johnson. When he was in Miami Vice, Crockett and Tubbs, I, I fancied I fancied Crockett. I thought Don Johnson rocked the white suits, the open shirts, the purple floral decor. He was my man crush. What about you, Tim? Well, that one's a bit before uh, <laughs> before my time there, Matty. I'm actually going to throw, we're going to talk about it later, but I've actually got a share in a horse running down at Flemington today. Your man crushes the so, horse? Well, I was going to offer the trainer of the horse. <laughs> that takes it to a new level. <laughs> well, I was, I was <laughs> going to offer the, uh, the trainer of the horse, the great Mitch Beer, the trainer from Albury, who's taken our horse down to Melbourne. There'll be a lot of love within our WhatsApp group tonight <laughs> if we go anywhere near winning down at Flemington. Matthew, over to you. Mate, I'm an old-school wrestler fan, mate, so Hulk Hogan for me, mate. I used to love those lofts and the bow and stuff, but that's the, the man crush for me was uh, big Hulk Hogan. Who, who was the pin-up among the Hawks in your days? Was, was it Sav? It would have been Sav, wouldn't it? Glenn Sav? Oh, David Anderson, mate. Well, we you always remember, we used to call him GQ back in the day when he came in <laughs> as a rookie. Mate, what those, and to see him now, like, if it was a basketball man crush, it'd be David Anderson. Like, the, the guy looks like he's about, you know, he, he might look like he's into his late 20s as he speaks, but it, and he's someone who has stand the test of time for sure. I've walked into a few Hawks dressing rooms over the years, and I reckon there's a few imports who could be candidates for uh, man crush material, <laughs> put it that way, without going any further or without letting us go off the rails, Matthew. There's been a few imports who look good. Yeah, totally. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, you across the years, I've had some of those guys. I remember Theron Wilson. He played with us in '99, first oh, year yeah. at the Weck, and he, yeah. he used to walk into a uh, nightclub, open up his shirt, and then you just see the layer and layer of muscle on on the abs, <laughs> and he'd just walk around with his shirt fully open um, whenever we, whenever he used to go out. So he was quite a specimen. I think Dylan Rigdon was another guy that um, um, you know. Um, comes to mind that flowing locks and really brown skin like the girls used to love him so uh, Californian boy so he was um, another one of the imports but yeah it was, it was a lot of imports along the time that I uh, said that uh, dealt with it hey but I want to get to last thing before 
me move on from basketball a little bit. CJ Bruton's come out and said that, you know, he's got cancer at the moment, so I want to put a shout out to CJ. Um, talk, talk about someone who played with the Hawks for a couple of years and a good friend of mine. And, you know, he, he's got COVID at the moment as well, so he's been hit with a double edged sword, sword at the moment. But, yeah, it's just a, another shock, I guess, when you look at it when he's only 46 years old and um, obviously going to be going through some tough times at some stage. So, yeah, shout out to CJ. Matty, what's his prognosis? Have you had a chance to touch base with him or his friends and find out how positive he is and what sort of outlook CJ is confronting? No, no, I haven't, uh, to be honest. Um, I've sent him through a text message, but obviously he's, um, he's busy at the moment, so he's only texted me back lightly. So I, I told him I'd, I'd talk to him in the next couple of days to let him digest it a little bit and spend some time with the family. So I, I don't know, to be honest. And um, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been looking around to try and find it, and I haven't, I haven't seen it anywhere in any news articles. So he's obviously keeping a lot of that stuff to himself at the moment. But, um, yeah, it's uh, just another shock, I think, and... Um, you know, life's, life's precious. Uh, live every moment as you can. It makes COVID isolation look pretty significant, doesn't it, Matty? But you've picked a good time to be locked away. It's been raining for an eternity. It's going to return mm. to rain for the next few days this afternoon. Matty, stay well. We'll see you again very soon once you're out of COVID isolation. No worries. Thanks, guys. The news, and then we're back with more Saturdays in the Gong. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmor, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Uh, the gadding ball changed my life. Uh, that was the real turning point from that side of things where I suppose the media side of people and that side wanted to know everywhere I spent my time. Um, and I, I sort of resented it a lot. Um, but over time, I understand how it works. I understand there's a job to do. I understand clickbait. I understand all that a bit more. Before I'd say, how does this guy write an article about me when he's never met me and he's going on how I play the game out there? I'm a completely different person to how I was on the cricket field. On the cricket field, I'll, I'll do anything I can to win within the laws of the game, but I'll push it if it helps us win as a team. So I was super competitive and all that. But off-field... The really, uh, I think the hardest time it's been when something so personal in my life, getting divorced was a difficult time in my life and for my children, um, and it was my fault. So I have to live with that for the rest of my life. So that wasn't easy. A week before the Ashes series to do that and then have to sort of drag myself off the canvas to get out there and play against, a, in 2005, and play against a quality England side, to have the Barmy Army for six hours a day, not just ten minutes singing songs and sing Where's Your Missus Gone. You are listening to Saturdays in the Gong, the life and times of Shane Warne, a life that has finished way too early. The Spin King dead at 52 from a suspected heart attack while holidaying in Koh Samui, Thailand. His friends found him unresponsive in a villa and Australia's record test wicket-taker is gone oh too soon. Saturdays in the Gong with a heavy heart this morning. Matt Russell alongside Tim Barrow. The more I say it, the more I look at the papers, the more I, I can't believe it. Yeah, and I think the thing with Shane Warne, and he talked about the... the part of his life there, the celebrity side of it too. I mean, Test Cricket's had a few celebrities over the years through different eras, but going into the, the social media era, uh, and obviously just the um, the profile that he had, uh, the hijinks, uh, dating Liz Hurley, you know, some of, some of the... Uh, 
the things he was famous for on top of just being a cricketer. And I think, uh, you know, that just showed the era that he was in and uh, just how much of an icon he was. Yep, um, Australian cricket with a heavy heart. First, the passing of Rod Marsh and now the passing of Shane Keith Warne. We're going to talk some rugby league over the next few minutes and I'll start with the NRLW teams and Georgie Lawara. Uh, it opened the campaign last weekend, 20-12 to 12 winners against the Gold Coast Titans. Tegan Berry scoring a double, Madison Bartlett crossing as well, as did Quincy Dodd and the Dragons 1-0 to start this NRLW season. They're in action again tomorrow. You'll catch all three games on Fox League. Tim Barrow, what did you make of the Dragons women first up last week? It's exciting. I think it's a real confidence builder for them. I guess they've got a new sort of look side. There's been quite a few changes now in the expanded competition. Um, Dragons Premiership player Jamie Sowards come on board as coach. We've got Emma Tonegato, the the Rugby Sevens champion. She's travelled the world with the Rugby Sevens and is now back playing Rugby League at fullback for them. So she's going to be exciting for them during the season and they they take on uh, Paramount matter on Sunday afternoon. I think it's exciting also for Wollongong Sport because Wynn Stadium is about the only uh, sporting venue in, in the area that's not underwater at the moment. Yeah, we'll talk more about that. we we'll give our thoughts to the people in northern New South Wales, southern Queensland, western Sydney. So much rain, so much devastation and we've been talking about Shane Warne this morning given it's a sports program but certainly we'd like to extend our thoughts and best wishes to everyone doing it hard because of the floods. Three games at Wynn Stadium tomorrow. Knights, Broncos 12 o'clock. Roosters, Tigers Titans 150, Dragons Eels 340. I tell you what, the Brisbane Broncos, weren't they impressive? Their front rowers, Millie Boyle, Chelsea Lenarduzzi, outstanding. Their spine, fantastic. They've lost one game, just one game in the history of NRLW. They're 12-1. and one. I don't know whether they'll lose a game this season as well. Absolutely. They, they are an absolute force, and they'll play first uh, on Sunday against the Knights, and it could be just a real statement game, given what they did first up, and, you know, the other teams just have to watch on and then try and catch up to them during the season but yeah they're just an absolute force in the competition and gee they'll take some stopping. We're doing it thanks to Charlie's Liquor Barn at Warilla, Unandera, Albion Park, Tarmore, charliesliquorbarn.com.au Our hosts Wollongong Golf Club looking after us as usual. Tim a fantastic venue. Wollongong Lakes at the moment let's face it there's a lot of water out there to avoid. Impact Garage Doors and One Agency's Idler Walla also great supporters of us. We're going to return in a moment for rugby league questions without notice. I've got four for you. You've got four for me. We don't know what they are. Let's see when we get back and talk some more rugby league after this. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmor, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Yes, a sad Saturday in the gong with the passing of Shane Warne. We've thrown the rundown at the window and are dedicating this edition of Saturdays in the gong to the Spin King, dead at 52 after a suspected heart attack. Uh, Matt Russell alongside Tim Barrow. Tim, I tell you what, Russia has banned Twitter, maybe just as well for Vladimir Putin because his timeline would be filled with Shane Warne testimonials this morning from Sir Ian Botham to Sir Kenny Dalgleish. Um, uh, legends and... and uh, celebrities around the world are praising the career and the personality of Shane Warne. But I want to go to a, one of his teammates, Adam Gilchrist, part of the Fox Cricket commentary team now, who has tweeted simply, Numb, the highlight of my cricketing career was to keep wicket to Warney, best seat in the house to watch the maestro at work. 
have often felt a tad selfish that Heels and I pretty much exclusively are the only ones who had the thrill and pleasure at test level. R.I.P. warning. Yeah, and we spoke uh, about Rod Marsh uh, passing and obviously the iconic combination of uh, Court Marsh, Bowl, Lily. And I tell you what, the Gilchrist and Healy caught uh, with Warren Bowling wasn't too far behind it in terms of combination. I mean, uh, Healy was obviously um, such a superb wicketkeeper and then uh, Adam Gilchrist kind of changed the game himself as the the batsman that he was and the way that he could uh, rip into attacks at, at number seven. So, yeah, I mean, his combination with uh, with Warney, who obviously just a, a legendary Stratus and, and the, the tributes that have come in from all over the world and not just within cricket, it just, just shows his stature within world sport. You know, the bold Lily-Court-Marsh combination worked 95 times, but here's the stunning part of it. It is still the greatest bowling, wicket-keeping, wicket-taking combination in Test cricket, yeah. Lily-Marsh. It's fearsome, wasn't it? And, I mean, to watch Lily bowl, particularly in his pomp, you, you know, you just took a deep breath and, and watched it. It was just fantastic. Yeah, and we'll have more about uh, Rod Marsh coming up. But let's just jump back to some... Uh, rugby league now because we are waiting for the season to start on Thursday uh, can't wait for it on Fox League questions without notice Tim we both love our league so four questions each to the other quick answer I'll go first who posts most Dalian points out of Cody Walker Jerome Hughes Ben Hunt Adam Dewey oh that's a tough one I, I think uh, probably Cody Walker Cody Walker playing a pivotal role at uh, South Sydney this season my first question, do the Storm make the top four? Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. Okay. I've got them winning the comp, so they'll be in the top four. Really? Absolutely. Okay. Parramatta beaten semi-finalists for the last three years. Do they improve on that and make the prelim at least this year? Uh, no. You've got them finishing behind semi-finalists? Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll say why, because this was going to be my next question to you. I'll frame a top eight. Panthers, Seagulls, Sharks, Roosters, Rabbitohs, Storm, Eels... And Raiders. So, who are the most vulnerable in that top eight? Well, I'd go Canberra, especially after uh, their new signing injured his knee this week and is out for at least three months. Their halfback. They had troubles last week or last year in the halves, and it doesn't look like finishing anytime soon. Yeah, no, that's that's a fair assessment because I think the teams knocking on the door are your Knights, your Dragons, uh, your Titans, and and I know the Bulldogs look terrible against uh, the Sharks, but you'd expect some improvement mm. there. Uh, the other teams, you know, you probably expect that the Cowboys to be a bit vulnerable down the bottom, although they may be an improver as well. And then West and the Warriors, you're probably just a bit concerned whether they are going, you know, where they're going to be. The Canberra half I was talking about, Jamal Fogarty moves from the Gold Coast down to Canberra on the eve of the season, injures his meniscus out for three months, so Ricky Stewart just can't take a trick. Last year it was George Williams giving, his, giving him grief. This season, for totally different reasons, it's his new signing, Jamal Fogarty. Who will be the Dragons' best buy, Tim? Do you want a, a rundown of the field? Here it is. Jaden Sewer. Frank Molo, George Burgess, Moses Embai, Moses Suley, Aaron Woods, Jack Kajewski, Tau Tau Moga. Who's the Dragons' best buy? Uh, Jaden Sewer, just for impact. But I do think that the bargain buy can be George Burgess if they can get him fit. Okay, the hip injury that curtailed him, you're bouncing him back this season, you reckon? Yeah, well, I think if he can stay fit, I think he can be outstanding okay. for the Dragons and really make that impact rolling along with the serviceable players like Aaron Woods and also some of the veterans like um, Tarek Sims out there on the edge. 
And staying with the Dragons, is this the year for Tyrell Sloan? Is this the breakout season? Is he the fullback option they need? Absolutely is. I don't know whether he plays fullback in round one, but I think he'll play most of the season at fullback. I think Cody Ramsey's best on a wing. They may just ease Tyrell into the season by playing a more steady set of hands at the back. Maybe even a Moses Embi type. We'll wait and see, but certainly my answer to the question is yes. Come round 25, Baz. Uh, another Baz, Trent Barrett's dogs in spoon or finals contention? Uh, probably somewhere in between. I'm going to sit on the fence a bit there. I initially had high hopes for them. I think they're a year away at least from being a contender because Jake Averillo's really got to sort out uh, the halfback role and the support for Burton. I think Burton's going to be one of the you know the great players for the Bulldogs in this, this era, but he needs the support around him. And I think the Bulldogs are going the right way, but they're a couple of pieces away. I don't think they'll win the spoon, but I, I think that they might battle to really sort of uh, make... The top eight. We had a question. We've got one more. Uh, no, well, I was just going to ask you where the Dragons. I was going to say the same thing. We talked about it last week, whether they make the eight. Just how far, given that a top eight that I framed before, can they contend with those teams? Good trial form means nothing. Last year they were dreadful in the trials, yet won four of their first five. However, I'll take an optimistic approach. Good trial form. I think they've got exciting youngsters, unlike last year. I think there's enough... Uh, potential in that list of recruits to have at least half of them deliver something, I think they make the eight. Yeah, it's interesting. I think they're going to go very close. And I think the key thing, which I wrote in my my column in the Mercury today, is that the slate is cleaner now for the Dragons than it has been since Wayne Bennett was there. I think the Dragons accept Anthony Griffin more because he is an outsider. He's been brought in with a mandate for change after the years of Paul McGregor and Steve Price. And you've seen the the experienced heads, the sort of bargain buyers that he's tried to bring in and blend in with with that youth. So I think that's one key uh, aspect of where the Dragons are at. They're prepared to give him patience, but they've also put the Jack DeBellin saga behind them. We obviously saw the the infamous Dragons barbecue at Paul Vaughan's house last year. He's now at the Bulldogs. And I think the fact that the that's now behind them. They lost their eight games to end the season and dive out of finals hopes last year. So they put a line under all of their major issues. And I think this is a real season where they can, you know, go again, a bit of renewal. And I think there's patience around the fan base. And the Dragons, they start their premiership campaign next weekend. You'll see it on Fox League Saturday, 4.30, Warriors, Dragons, Sunshine Coast Stadium. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmore, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Indeed, Saturdays in the Gong. Unandera, also known as Unandera to those who live more locally, Tim. But we love... uh, Charlie's Liquor Barn, they're looking after us day in, day out, drink responsibly of course. Uh, We're coming to you from the Wollongong Golf Club where the drinks flow freely and often but today there's only one conversation around the clubhouse and that is the passing of Shane Warne at 52. So sad, we've made it a talking point already and we'll continue to do so through this special edition of Saturdays in the Gong. As David Lloyd said he lived life to the full. And living life to the full means having a flutter every now and then. So let's go to Baz's best. But to set the scene, Tim Barrow, can you set up this piece of audio we're about to hear? I could listen to this all day, and hopefully next week we'll be talking about the run at Flemington this afternoon. So well in sight, it's a $19,000 buy. It was originally a $170,000 yearling 
that was picked up by a Chinese owner. He couldn't get it out of the country, the horse, who was among 10 horses. They ended up in New Zealand in the hope that they could get the horses to China. That didn't work. It fell through. So they sold the horse. Patriot Bloodstock and Mitch Beer have picked the horse up for 19000 Ended up back in Albury. She's three from three. I own about half the tail. <laughs> and now she's off to Flemington for the English Sprint. But let's have a listen to what happened last week in Albury. The widest runner, well in sight, has the lead, 200 to go from turn back time, Fever Tree the inside, and then Albert's Melody, it's well in sight, clear of turn back time, keep it down, flashing home, but well in sight's going to make it three straight, and well in sight, one by two lengths to turn back time, keep it down, a big run for third, another terrific win by well in sight, makes it three from three, all her wins have been on her home track here at Albury. Well inside, odds on favourite last week. That won't be the case today at Flemington. Is Baz's best brave enough to tip well inside again? It certainly is. I'm definitely not jumping off as much as I own a share of it. I will be backing her as well. She's about at the $27 quote, so you're getting plenty of value. There's a couple of good ones in there. Uh, Overpass was a couple of lengths behind Lost and Running which uh, that's sort of reflecting a bit of Everest-level form. So there, there are a couple of uh, very good horses in the race, but after the top two, uh, Sneaky Five, the Mar Eustace horse, also ran in the Manicato. So that's the level we're at today. But after the, the top two, it's fairly even. We've got a, a pretty good draw. It's her first time, though, down the, the Flemington Strait, so hopefully she can go and eyeball overpass down the straight and then find something with Craig Newitt aboard in the last couple of hundred. So if anyone's listening and wondering, what to do, maybe an each way pick well inside, or do they load up on the win? Oh, yeah, well, I'll certainly be going each way. <laughs> Our first time down the, the Flemington Strait, I'm not going to totally declare her, but certainly give her a cheer. That's at Flemington, Randwick Racing as well today. It's a heavy 10 only because they don't have a heavy 12, 14, 50, or 500. <laughs> Can you imagine the track conditions there? Absolutely, although they were a bit lucky, Randwick, because they were due to get about 150 mil uh, during the week, and I think they only copped about 40. The, the storms kind of split that day, so it'll certainly be very heavy given the conditions here as we can see at Wollongong Golf Club it's about a, a heavy 20 out there on the fairways so yeah it's been a, been a tough week and as you said before we send our thoughts up to those in the northern rivers and up in Queensland and the, the flooding the terrible flooding they've which, had which we'll touch on more in a moment I'll leave people before the 10 o'clock news with my good luck story last week the Fig Tree Heights Primary School Dad's Punders Club mouthful isn't it had a bet. I was told about my turn, had about 10 seconds to deliver, so I backed Shelby 66 in the first at Randwick. Love Salute. And then St George Illawarra to win the Charity Shield. Salute, my $25 bet, 250 bucks. Back into the kick. That's why I'm a legend this week. That's why the Punters Club loves them. Russ, we're back in a moment. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmor, Albion Park, Anandera and Warilla. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Saturdays in the Gong, great to have you with us on a sad day for Australian sport. To set the scene for the second hour, let's go straight to a magic moment in Australian sport. Wicket number 699 to remove Monty Panasar. He'll be delighted 
that wicket number 700 has not just come here at the MCG on Boxing Day, but it's also Andrew Strauss. Bloke was playing well, and in front of his home crowd, he holds the ball aloft. Well bowled, Shane Warne, wonderful career, and no better way than to hit the stumps for wicket number 700. Yes, that was 700, of course. He finished with 708 test wickets, the most in Australian test cricket history. But sadly, Shane Warne, gone too early at 52, the victim of a suspected heart attack while holidaying in Thailand overnight. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong. Matt Russell alongside Tim Burrow. Tim, I remember hearing Richie Benno speak about um, Shane Warne at one of his most controversial moments. Let's face it, Shane courted controversy very, very well. And Richie Benno's response I thought was fantastic. He said, I can't sit here day in, day out, commentate and marvel that Shane Warne is a spin bowler and an artist on the cricket field without realising that part of that artistry comes from his personality and his uh, aim in life to live the life he does that also results in him getting trouble off the field. So I'm not going to be hypocritical and enjoy one part and not the other. I'll just accept him all and marvel at the cricket as we go along. I reckon our next guest might be along the same lines. We welcome Lord Mayor Gordon Bradbury. Gordon, you come to us as a leader of the Wollongong community, but also as a man of the cloth, the Shane Warne lobs at the pearly gates. I reckon I can see the Lord above saying, well, Shane, you're not without blemish, but I forgive you. Come on in. What say you? It's a story of life. People like Shane Warne uh, always push the boundaries and uh, he pushed the boundaries in, in cricket and also some of his uh, other uh, aspects of life, if I could put it like that. But I do envy him because he had more hair than me, but uh, <laughs> a great cricketer and uh, more specifically spin bowler. So, you know, uh, what, a, what a legend. And in that respect, yes, uh, as they say, let he who's without sin cast the first stone or the cast the first ball in this case. I... Uh, I personally uh, admired his adventurousness uh, in more ways than one. Uh, not to say some of the other <laughs> behaviours at times, especially his romances uh, and so on. Uh, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, said, it'll be Lord interesting Mayor. to see what what is actually on the chalkboard and the scoreboard when he does get to the pearly gates. I'd love to see it. I really would. Now, we spoke to you before yeah. the local government elections last year. Congratulations on your return uh, to Lord Mayor. And one of your first big announcements, one of the exciting developments, has been the announcement yesterday of the redevelopment plans for the Wynn Entertainment Centre, Wynn Stadium, the training field there, basically the precinct. How, exci how excited should sports fans in Wollongong be? Well, look, basically it's saying we're, we want to retain the uh, sports and entertainment facilities, but it needs to be more integrated. It's so piecemeal, bits and pieces all over the place. And no, not only that, now things are, especially with the entertainment centre, are getting very tired. So those, that whole precinct is a great asset and is terribly underutilised. It is uh, now in, t in need of a lot of attention. But if it was all integrated so that sporting events had also the commercial or hospitality facilities better integrated into it, we could turn that into our own equivalent of Darling Harbour. Keeping in mind that you've got the Blue Mile next to it and uh, Wollongong Harbour, the uh, uh, Flagstaff Point, all that area is a major tourist precinct. And if it was all, sort, all integrated into a master plan, for that precinct, and that includes uh, coming west into 
uh, up Crown Street as well. That that facility could be our our focal point, our our darling harbour, integrating not only sport but exhibitions, entertainment, conferences, uh, events of all types, big and small. So it needs a more, as I can put it, a holistic understanding of that space. And we're just saying to the state government through Venues New South Wales, it's time that you put up the money so that we master plan it and then over time put it all into put it all together. Now, Gordon, one of the more potentially polarising, uh, I guess, aspects of the plan is a low-level grandstand on the uh, the hill uh, at Wynn Win Stadium. Now, obviously, on the one hand, we need to meet the criteria for major events, for World Cups, and the hill itself, mm. because it's not seated, doesn't, doesn't count. But I guess against that, we've got the, the tradition of standing up there on the hill on a nice sunny day and watching the footy or whatever sporting events on there. How, how have you sort of found the reaction to that? Well, it's not so much that that is going to be the way other, or it's been described. It is a challenge, yes, because it can't be managed uh, and uh, in ways that uh, in modern facilities. But what I am saying is with the master planning, it, we will come back to the community and, and engage as to what is required, what, how we shape that. But we at the present time, it's so... Uh, how can I put it? It's just ground like topsy. It's 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 not contemporary, and when we're trying to attract other events and opportunities to the city, this is the sort of thing that we need to take into consideration. How we manage that particular space, and all space over there, and also there are things like heritage uh, considerations, like Lyce Hut uh, rest area where the uh, uh, that, that used to be an old cemetery and uh, respecting that heritage as well as the traditional cultures and so uh, cultural uh, uh, values they're all part of the process of putting together a master plan so let's not focus upon individual uh, concerns like uh, the hill or the life art uh, rest, uh, rest park and so on all that sort of stuff will be the next stage but we want to get it figured out as to how or what the direction of that whole precinct is going to be how we can incorporate more activity into that space and also how to uh, create a, a, a better sight lines uh, and porosity so people can move through it. At the present time, it's just a concrete barrier uh, to accessing the foreshore. So it's all those aspects that we need to weave together and to do so, we've just done the initial work. Now we're saying to venues New South Wales and to the state government, finance the master plan We'll back you with all the uh, program uh, research and uh, plans that we've done, like the development control plans, uh, access and movement strategies and studies. All that sort of stuff, is ma- we will make it available. But we need somebody uh, like, the mass, uh, like the state government to be engaged because they own most of the assets. And uh, now's the time to do it and get on with it because by the time you get through your master plan and then start implementing it, you're looking at, uh, you know, five to ten years out. So we need this this to happen now. And you talked about the need for the revamp of Wynn Entertainment Centre. Obviously, we've seen the issues around the leaking roof. We had weeds up on the on the roof and obviously some issues around the scoreboard in the mm-hmm. past. Those have been fixed, but it's sort of uh, short fixes to obviously what needs to happen as a long-term plan. You, and you talk about, uh, I read your, your uh, comments with interest in the Illawarra Mercury today around the budget coming down in June and, and the need for, um, for state government investing uh, investment. 
what are the next steps now? What what is the expectation that the community can can expect of what happens next? Well, I think it's putting the pressure on the state government and uh, pushing uh, forward with this. But let me emphasise, it's called the Illawarra Sports and Entertainment Precinct, simply because we're the focal point of a lot of activity to the south as well as uh, the to the west. We've got Wallandilly, uh, we've got the Windy Caribbee, uh, or the Southern Highlands. You've got the southwestern suburbs of Sydney and also the southern suburbs. So when there's an entertainment event down here for, or a sporting event, we have a lot of focus upon this city and draws upon a larger population. So the focus and the emphasis that I'm putting before the state government is that it's not just about Wollongong. It is about putting in place a facility that's in the interest of a large population, anything up to three quarters to a million people, who'd come, who would draw, be drawn from uh, to, uh, to uh, come to events and activities down here. But also, Wollongong is now a university city. It'll be the focus of the USAGI Road Cycling Championships this coming year. And uh, so there's a lot more attention coming to Wollongong and we need to be ready for it. But unfortunately, we've got a tired entertainment set. It's, it's well over 20 years old. It's uh, not up to contemporary standards. It's all those challenges that we confront. And uh, so I just emphasise everyone, if you anyone who's got an opportunity to get into the ear of any politician, hey, let's do so. But Lord Mayor, given that this is Labor heartland and we currently have a Liberal government, you need a change at the next state election or else you won't get your cash, will you? Especially given how much the state government has had to pour out for COVID. Unless Labor wins the state election next time round, we're Buckleys, aren't we? Well, either way, because at the present time, and even when we were, we were just taken for granted. The trouble is that we need to emphasise to all uh, state seats and members, that, and that is goes for uh, uh, the state seat of Heathcote, which is in Liberal hands at the present time, and then we've got to the south uh, in, uh, in Kiama, that's in the hands of uh, Gareth Ward, and I know Gareth's on side with this, we're working together within the framework of four councils and the uh, joint organisation of councils to uh, look at the priorities. So it's a bigger uh, a net that we've cast in terms of lobbying. But uh, should it be on the basis that whatever political party you vote for, that it's a no-brainer that this needs to happen and it's a state asset that's deteriorating, can be better master-planned and utilised. So... Let's not get into this space um, in saying uh, either way, whoever you vote for, it is the fact that the economy uh, will benefit and that uh, is a spin-off not only for uh, Wollongong but other seats as well. And from my perspective anyway, it's uh, not about uh, politics. It is about the fact that we have a deteriorating asset, we have much demand and let's get on to uh, putting in place better facilities all round. Well, Lord Mayor, you're speaking with two men who spell a he- spend a hell of a lot of time there at the Wynn Entertainment Centre slash stadium slash precinct. We know it needs an overhaul. So do you. Thank you for fighting to make sure that happens sooner than later. And congratulations again on your return to the big chair as Lord Mayor. We'll talk again. Gordon Bradbury, thank you. Thanks, guys. All the best. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Okay, bye. Thank you. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong. Thanks to Charlie's Liquor Barn at Warilla, Unandera, Albion Park and Tarmore. We're coming to you from the Wollongong Golf Club, courtesy Impact Garage Doors and one agency, Zydler Waller. Back in a moment. 
Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmore, Albion Park, Anandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Yes, on a Saturday morning where Australia has a heavy heart, the passing of spin king Shane Warne at 52 overnight from a suspected heart attack while holidaying in Thailand. Of course, this is a double-barrelled tragedy for Australian cricket, Australian sport, just the nation generally this week after the passing of Rod Marsh as well. He was 74. Uh, That happened because of a heart attack as well after he collapsed in Bundaberg a few days prior. So you're listening to Saturdays in the Gong. This is Matt Russell alongside Tim Barrow. The nation is hurting because of floods um, and these cricket tragedies that have come at us in quick succession. And we talk about our big impact of the week. And we do this for Impact Garage Doors. The passing of Rod Marsh had a huge impact on me because as a child growing up, a cricket fanatic. I watched hours and hours of it. I thought Lillian Marsh would play forever. I just thought they'd live forever. And this bit of audio just brought back some wonderful memories for me of Rod Marsh, the Australian wicket-keeping great. And he's gone this time. Court Marsh, bowl Lily. 350 victims for Marsh. What a nice way to do it. Yeah, 95 times... Bold Lily, Court Marsh, still the test cricket record for bowler, wicketkeeper, combination in terms of taking wickets. That is our Impact Garage Doors, impacting homes across the Illawarra for 20 years. Visit impactgaragedoors.com.au. So we mentioned the passing of Rod Marsh, and uh, sadly it has been usurped by the passing of Shane Warne overnight. There's an impact that will reverberate around the country for weeks to come. Yeah, the first thing I did when I woke up, I actually searched on on Twitter just obviously to see what the reaction was. And the first thing I saw was a Shane Warne tribute to Rod Marsh, and that was yesterday. And then you wake up and see, obviously, that Shane Warne himself had passed away. I mean, it's just such an incredibly sad time for Australian cricket I guess you know for, for some of the the younger listeners I mean Rod Marsh went on to um, be chairman of selectors his impact on um, Australian cricket has just lasted decades the family with you know Sean and Mitch I mean the the whole Marsh family has this huge legacy for Australian cricket and then to see an, another icon of the game and, and probably you know the greatest Australian player in Shane Warne that we were just captivated by for, for years. He just made magic happen whenever he came on to bowl. There was the expectation. I was, I was listening to that clip before of his 700th wicket and that crowd noise, just the expectation and the build-up of it. I mean, he was just followed everywhere. Sure, he was criticised, but he was in uh, you know every part loved as well. Played a crucial role during the emergence of World Series cricket. Did so much post-retirement, but one memory that stands in my mind, the controversial underarm ball, Australia against New Zealand, while Greg Chappell was advising his younger brother Trevor to bowl underarm. Rod Marsh was behind the stump shaking his head head saying, no, mate, don't do it. No, mate, no, mate. He didn't like that at all. He was a real competitor, but he maintained... Uh, great integrity, uh, came into the world as a, as a first-class batsman, developed into a wicketkeeper, replaced Brian Tabor controversially, carved out this wonderful career and sadly lost too early at 54, just days before we lost Shane Warne as well. Let's bring in Brian Vanderwacker, a colleague of mine at Fox Sports News. Brian, I know Justin Edwards has done a remarkable tribute to Shane Warne this morning, but any newsman around the country uh, will be feeling different, feeling weird, if I can put it that way, this morning. Just, I think as many people have said this morning, Matty, just numb. You know, it's one of those 
moments, I think, where you will always remember where you were when you when you heard the news. It's it's, it's up there with you know a Steve Irwin with with a Peter Brock um, and, and things like that in terms of, of an Australian icon. It's just incredible. I was I was I finished off obviously watching day one of the test. Um, you know, in the early hours, went to bed, fell asleep. Um, my partner works in, in, in radio and, and she woke up to do the, the morning shift, I guess, as, as a journalist and, and a newsreader and uh, and she got up at 3.30 and she finished having a shower, came back in and goes, oh, what time did you go to bed? And I said, oh, just after, after the test, why is that? She goes, did you hear the news? I said, Australia only got one wicket on day one, it's not that big. No, Shane Warne died. I said, what? Are you talking about the right Shane Warne? Like, is there another Shane Warne? Like, what? It's just, yeah, it's been quite, quite incredible. It's shocking isn't it you know it's the sudden in, you know i think the sudden impact i think you know it's, we, we didn't see this one coming tommy morris just summed it up on fox sports news a little while ago you know we, we had a couple of days i guess to, to get our head around you know rod marsh and that where this has just come as just a sudden shock it's, you just can't believe it yeah pakistan overnight is we um, go sideways a little bit to talk about that first test pakistan won for 240 Five on a road in Rail Pindi. Uh, Imam Al Haq, 132 not out. Ashab Ali, 64 not out. Australia used eight bowlers. Only Carey, Kawaja, and Warner weren't used as bowlers. And that all happened while in nearby Peshawar, 30 people were killed, 56 wounded in a terrorist attack. And the Aussies are right there in Pakistan, the first tour of that country in 24 years. Um, gee, there's some actions off the field to distract the Australian cricketers right now, be it Rod Marsh's passing, be it Shane Warne's passing, be it a terrorist attack in Pakistan. And then they look up at the scoreboard at the end of the day there. One for 245 Pakistan in their first innings. Now, Brian, we didn't get you on to talk cricket. We got you on to talk about your love, motorsport, which is back this weekend, Sydney Motorsport Park. The 2022 supercar season set the scene for us. Yeah, it almost feels wrong, doesn't it, to be speaking about other sport, but uh, there is still plenty going on. And I've, uh, it's nice that you had me on, Matty, because I've been locked up in... Uh, close contact isolation all week. But I'm scr- I'm, I, I get out at about 11.30 tonight, so I'm scratching the door to try and get the Sydney Motorsport Park tomorrow, in fact. But uh, <laughs> practice underway yesterday, damp conditions. It wasn't easy um, because the track kept changing nearly every five minutes it was. And I feel like we're going to get that again today. We're expecting quite a lot of rain to come through uh, the venue later on this afternoon. And that's critical because we've got a night race tonight. So we're going to be looking at around about the time when this rain's going to hit and through to tomorrow as well. So we're looking at very wet conditions over the course of the next two days at Sydney Motorsport Park. And, you know, there's almost got to be some questions raised about, you know, how, you know, are we actually going to see an event, particularly tomorrow, because you've got to go back to the last race at Sydney Motorsport Park uh, in November last year, just before we went to Bathurst, and that was basically a non-event. But it's going to be a little bit different, I think, on, on this occasion. I'll take... I'll say a little bit more of a risk. The reason why I say that, when we did red flag and cancel that race at Sydney Motorsport Park last year, in the back of everyone's mind was that we've been on the road for almost a month. We've got Bathurst coming up in two weeks' time, so we don't want to you know, risk damaging the cars where that risk isn't there this time. So there's going to be a lot of toing and froing, I think, and a lot of decisions to be made as to what they're going to do with this weather over the next uh, 24 hours to 48 hours. But uh, looking forward to it nonetheless, and... You know, it's going to be a case of who can catch Shane Van Gisbergen, I guess. 
Brian, we saw uh, Chas Moster there was uh, quickest in second practice, uh, but just looking through the times, it looked fairly even. I guess tell us a bit about um, you know the, the parity and what we're looking for this season. Obviously, a uh, bit of a shake-up there with Holden in the last year or so, uh, you know, with their production no longer in Australia. What can we expect around, um, you know, the, the parity and who else will be the, the ones to catch? It's quite interesting because we moved to a new rules package and therefore a new car next year in terms of Gen 3. So the Camaro's coming in, a new-look sort of Mustang as well. So the car gets a whole revamp next year and a whole reset in terms of the sport, and that only comes around, you know, once once every blue moon, really, sometimes in, in supercars. And when you have this reset sometimes in motorsport with a rules package the next year, often the year preceding that, you get a very close title race. We saw that in Formula One last year between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. This year, they're changing to a different car. So it tends to be the theme that, as I said, when you've got this last year of the current rules package, it tends to be very, very close. And we're expecting that again this year. The Red Bull Empire Racing Team are going to be very strong, as we know, with Shane Van Giersberg. And they've got the young full-time rookie and Brock Feeney stepping in for seven-time champion Jamie Winkup. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic to see how quickly possibly Brock Feeney can get up to speed. And then you've got the likes of Walkinshaw and Dreddy United with Chaz Mostert, who... They, they, they're on this rebuilding phase and they're starting to really now close the gap towards uh, the top teams in the sport once again. But then you've got the dynamic of Nick Perkat joining that team and Mostert and Perkat haven't always had the greatest love for each other over the years. So that's going to be a very fascinating uh, team story to watch throughout the course of the year and how those two may or may not gel. And then as we know, Duke Johnson Racing are, are really now starting to get over that period of having lost Scott McLaughlin to IndyCar and now starting to find their feet once again with Anton Di Pasquale and Will Davis and Di Pasquale is going to be quick this weekend. He had it off uh, in the final moment to practice two yesterday, but at this particular track last year, he was dynamite and he was the benchmark for everyone else to catch. And uh, from day one yesterday, practice one was certainly uh, all his way and it was looking like it might have been the case in practice two until he went off the road. Jeez, you set the scene. I want to go to Sydney Motorsport Park now, Brian. I want to get there. That's fantastic. We look forward to the motorsport season <laughs> unfolding. I know you'll be covering it, keeping a very close eye on it, but you'll also be producing NRL Tonight, which returns on Monday, and I know you'll keep those rascally presenters in check. I hope you do anyway. <laughs> oh, don't you worry, Matty. I've got you on my record books for Monday. That's for sure, mate. I'll be keeping you in check, don't you worry. Enjoy your final hours of isolation. I hope you get out to be at Sydney Motorsport Park tomorrow. Brian Van Der Wacker, thanks a lot, and I'll see you on Monday. <laughs> Good on you, buddy. Looking forward to it, mate. NRL tonight, back on Fox League on Monday, right through Monday, Fridays, until the end of the season, which seems a long, long way away. We'll be back in a moment. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmore, Albion Park, Anandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Yes, Saturdays in the Gong. We are a sad group today, sad nation, with the passing of Shane Warne overnight at 52. Hot on the heels of Rod Marsh, who left us at 74. And we've dedicated the show this morning to the memory of the Spin King, Shane Warne, 708 test wickets. Um, the funeral, Tim Barrow, will be enormous, won't it? I was just saying off-air that if they held it at the MCG, they might well pack the place out. And there will be so many 
people, the cricketing fraternity, but not just that. It seems the tributes are coming from everywhere, be it rock stars in the UK, be it um, humanitarians around the world. Shane Warne cut through the community and has a legion of fans who will want to farewell him in fitting fashion. It will be an emotional but also a huge funeral. It'd be absolutely fitting, I think, to end up at the MCG for for some kind of service. I mean, he he packed the uh, packed the place out on so many occasions to watch him bowl, and I think it'd be a, a fitting farewell. Just given the the scale of interest, um, you know, obviously he was a bit of a, a polarising figure, but he was much loved as a player and obviously a, a legend of the game. And I think it'd just be such a, a great way to uh, to see him off and his legions of fans. We haven't made the whole. Tr- show about Shane Warne. We've dipped into a few local sports this morning as well. Saturdays in the gong, Matt Russell, Tim Barron, of course, the Wollongong Wolves, such an important part of the fabric that is Wollongong sport. They're in action tomorrow as they start their season. I think their captain is joining us on the phone. Guy Knight, good morning to you. Good morning, mate. How are you going? All right. How are you going before the season starts? Team's wrapped up the preparations, I imagine. Uh, What should we expect tomorrow in Sydney? Yeah, mate, uh, we wrapped up preparations this morning with our last session and um, the boys are firing, ready to go. It's been a, it's been a pretty long pre-season. We started back in September, so with the COVID ending the season last year, everyone's really pumped and ready to go. I guess with the uh, synthetic pitch up there, it's uh, good to get a free shot at playing and it won't be, uh, won't be too waterlogged. No, nah, definitely, yeah. The, the game will go ahead for sure and uh, we've been on the synthetic pitch three times this week down in, in Wollongong, so... Um, we're used to it now, so we're, we're, we're ready. What about some of your, your star players, of which you are one, but, you know, Leroy Jennings, Nicholas, is it Duarte or Duarte? You've got Banry, Takuma. Who are some players we should be looking out for this season? Yeah, all the boys you mentioned are all quality players, and um, I think a lot of the sort of the players up front are sort of the, the ones that the fans will probably like the most, the ones that score the goals. But um, well, I guess we've got quality all, all the way across the pitch, really. Um, yeah, but the boys that score the goals normally get the praises, that's for sure. My colleague at the Mercury, uh, Cameron Mee, uh, wrote a story during the week about South Sudanese uh, talent, uh, Cotton Malliot, and I hope I've pronounced that one correctly, but um, just tell us about his impact within the squad. Yeah, Court's come in, um, probably only been here for three or four weeks now, but he's he started with a bang, he's, he's quality, he's got power, he's got speed, and he came in and he scored a few goals in his first couple of games, so... Yeah, looking to see what he's going to do round one for sure. Guy, are you wearing the captain's armband tomorrow? And uh, tell us about that honour and maybe a bit about your background. Yeah, mate. Um, yeah, I will be. Uh, so I, I played uh, with the Wolves sort of three years ago. I played with the Wolves for two years and then I sort of stepped back to the IPL. I played with Full Eye in the local league for seven years before the Wolves and I had a sort of a break before this year. Um, so I'm coming back this year from the local league back to the Wolves and yeah, I picked up the captaincy role again which is an honour, so looking forward to it. You've had great success with Bulleye and then obviously the Wolves have had great success too, obviously before the, the COVID period that seems to have set everyone back. What, what are the expectations within the group? Do you feel like you can be a contender? Yeah, definitely. There's yeah, every game we play, we want to win, and we think we can win, and, and that's not really. It sounds cliche, but it's it's the truth within this group. We've definitely got the quality, we've got the ability, and we've got a squad as good, or if not better, than the team we had in 2019 that won this league. We just got to go out there and do it, and that's that's the last thing that we need to prove. We can do it. Guy, you're coached by a Socceroos great, part of the 
Socceroos golden generation and Illawarra product, Luke Wilkshire. Tell us, how has he helped your game? Um, yeah, Luke's, Luke's quality as a coach, he's a good mentor. He, um, he demands a lot out of everyone and that's his style and, and it works for him and it works for the, the people that he coaches. He's, um, he sort of helped me push myself to a sort of another level into the MPL um, and he's helped me a lot with sort of leading a group, I guess, so... He's been there. He knows how, how to win games and he knows how to be at a high level. As I said, like I think that what he demands of us is probably more than most teams in the NPL, and that's a good thing. Guy, we spoke to uh, Wollongong Lord Mayor Gordon Bradbury before about the plans around Wynn Entertainment Centre, uh, Wynn Stadium and the, the precinct down there. Obviously, the Wolves would love to be in, in the A-League. Um, I'm not sure whether you've seen the, 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 the plans for the upgrade, but Wynn Stadium's no doubt a, a, a crucial part of what the Wolves do and, and the appeal within the Wollongong community and, and I guess, the, the uh, ambitions of ending up in the, the top table with, uh, you know, with the big guns like Sydney FC. Yeah, definitely. I haven't, haven't, definitely haven't seen those plans, but I think an A-League side in the in the region is definitely long overdue, and we've got a very good local competition. We've got probably one of the biggest grassroots competitions. We've got the facilities there, and if they're going to be upgrading it, that's even better. And I think this year we're playing our home games on Friday nights, which which should boost crowd numbers, and I think it could be a start for um for the region to sort of push for that. And if it's if it's a B-League into an A-League or it's straight to ho- hopefully into an A-League, I think that's definitely what the the region deserves, and I think the biggest thing is going to be the, the local football South Coast and the Wolves sort of getting together and backing each other and having that one one common ground for the region, and that's what's going to get us there. Yeah, let's hope that happens. Guy Knight, you're playing in the National Premier League tomorrow. Sydney United against the Wollongong Wolves. 3pm kick-off at Denza Park or Sydney United Sports Centre. Call it what you will. Next week, away again, Northbridge Bulls. And then you're home, round three against Sydney Youth. Is that game on a Friday night, round three? Should people mark that in their diary now? Yeah, mate, that's a Friday night. That's, yeah, it'd be great to have a big crowd. Hopefully we can go two games in a row, win and away, and we'll come back for a third win at home in front of a big crowd. And just on the quiet, we won't release details yet, but there are some huge promotional plans around that first home game. We'll report them over the next couple of weeks once they're bettered down. But Guy Knight, go well tomorrow. Thanks for joining us today and best of luck for the season ahead. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Yeah, the Wollongong Wolves football, soccer, call it what you will, such an important part of this region. We need the Wolves firing. We need them back in the A-League. Let's hope it happens sooner than later, Tim. Yeah, and that's why Wynn Stadium is so crucial to the development because uh, as much as everyone loves the Hill, we need the criteria to host these big games, whether it be World Cup matches. We've got the Women's World Cup coming out. We've got to be eligible and available for big matches like this and it also sets up the Wolves you know if they want to be in the A-League or a national second division we've got to be at this level with the facilities so this this plan or you know some kind of plan that comes out of this has got to go forward because the Wolves need the facilities to go around it to get to the next step. A break on Saturdays in the gong and then we're back with our real estate guru Christian Zeidler. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmor, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Thanks to Charlie's Liquor Barn, Warilla, Unandera, Albion Park and Tarmor, Australia in shock with the passing of Shane Warne who had so many battles with so many good cricketers including Daryl Cullinan. And he's got him again with it. So uh, he's pulled one for four. 
but missed the second one. And I think you can guarantee that Shane Warne is out caught him there. Show him the obvious flipper, let him pull it for four, and then slip the other one in. And it was through him, it was oh, it was candy from kids. Beautifully bold. Nothing like that first flipper. Very well done by Shane Warne. And the Australians have struck again. Cullinan is gone. Yes, Shane Warne owned South African Daryl Cullinan. It reminds me of a great story, Tim Burrow, about Warney when he learnt that Daryl Cullinan, in preparation for playing Australia and facing Shane Warne, went to see a sports psychologist, and that was reported in the Australian media. And before he bowled his first ball of that series to Cullinan, he just stood at the top of his run-up for a long time, extended the misery, the anticipation, the nervousness, and yelled down the crease, what colour was the couch? few balls later, Cullinan was on his way back to the grandstand. Yeah, I've seen few players who just looked defeated when they would walk out to bat, and few more than Daryl Cullinan. They called him the bunny, and he certainly was. And of all the tributes, some of them from the heart, others perhaps a little more frivolous, but, but meant in the great way about a man who lived life to the full. This one reads, What other cricketer could pull Liz Hurley? None. Ever. King, simple, to the point, and showing the colourful nature, the reason he was embraced by so many uh, general members of the Australian public. He was a rock star, wasn't he? He wasn't just a cricketer, you know, he, he was an absolute rock star. And it's interesting, uh, Ian Healy was on SEN this morning, and he, he said he had great mates in the upper echelons of society. When they said, why don't we catch up, he made sure they did. And he taught me that. At the same time, he'd be at a kids' clinic really engaged, working on all sorts of play, which you have the public perspective. And, and the rock star personality of who he was but I think that sort of shows of obviously what he meant to his teammates and mates you know as a private in his private life the touring Australian media one day invited Warney to dinner with them and he said I'd love to but had to cancel subsequently he was actually booked to have dinner with Elton John so they were brushed we're here thanks to Charlie's Liquor Barn, Wollongong Golf Club, Impact Garage Doors and one agency, Zeidler Waller, where their principal joins us now. Christian Zeidler, good morning to you on another busy morning for one agency. And I suppose at this morning's open house or houses, there's only been one topic of conversation, sadly. That's right. Poor old Wardy, what happened to him? Suspected heart attack, sadly, in Koh Samui, Thailand. Just 52 years of age, Christian, and um, gone way too early, so soon after the passing of Rod Marsh. But for you, no time for, for sadness, sorrow, sympathy. You've got to sell some houses. What are some of your open houses or house of prominence this week? Oh, look, we just had a little two-bedroom unit right in the centre of town, 5 of 22 Victoria Street. There are so many cranes up in this town, you've, you've got to be blind not to see them. So there's that much competition in this two-bedroom market. We still had 40 groups through an open wow. inspection. 40 That's groups. Ex- I couldn't believe it. It's like everyone else is shut. <laughs> That's incredible. That's extraordinary, and I guess especially in the, the current climate and current conditions, as obviously we've seen the flooding across the eastern seaboard. Yeah, well, there's a flooded bloody Victoria Street this morning, that's for sure. Christian, is it is it good for the gong that we have so many cranes and so much development? From my uneducated point of view, I look at that and think the Wollongong and the Illawarra must be powering ahead, given the investment, given the, the new buildings. Is that the right assumption? Oh, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, these, these big developers, they're not mugs. They're building stuff that's selling. So these things aren't sitting dormant. 
there's people moving into it. There's a perhaps, and pardon the pun, but there's a flood of people obviously coming down from Sydney, but they're coming from everywhere. They're coming from Western New South Wales. They're coming up from Nowra. They've worked out an hour away from Sydney, which is basically the capital of Australia. Uh, you know, certainly to do with commerce and whatnot. It's a job centre and everything else that goes with it. So you're an hour away from that, but you still got our kind of small town feel in that no matter where you want to drive, you're only 15 minutes away from anything in Wollongong. And people people love it. I mean, we've loved it for years, but the secret's out. So when we're meeting at people through Opens, they're from everywhere. They're from Canberra, they're from Nowra, they're from Sydney, they're from all, all parts. Um, so there's there's enough buyers out there to support all this development going up. Dining for local businesses because you look at all these people moving in, they're all going out and go out and eat some dinner somewhere. They're all fueling the car somewhere. They're all shopping at Woolies. So all the money that's coming in, it's really exciting. It's prosperous. I mean, years ago we had the Steelworks with 25,000 employees. I think it's down to 3,000 employees now. The university's been struggling with COVID, but now you've got all these other businesses that are flourishing due to that, you know, influx with people coming and all their money coming with them. It's, it's really exciting for our little town. We want them eating breakfast, buying coffees and buying good things at All Good Things Cafe in Burley Street, Wollongong, Tim Barrow, but over to you. Absolutely. <laughs> I might drop in there on the way, uh, the way home yet. Uh, just we talk of Christian about obviously with the the flooding issues that we've had and and the the amount of rain we've had in the Illawarra um, you know it's important for people to do their homework given it is such a competitive market oh look I say to people it's a great time to come and look at a property and they they tell you this in these um, how to buy manuals go and have a look at the property in a rainy day see that there's no standing water on the block see how it flows make sure there's obviously no roof leaks or window leaks and all those sorts of things so if you can bear going out and getting your little toes wet, it's actually a better idea to do it in the wet than it is, you know, in a, in a beautiful spring day or whatnot, which everyone seems to think is so popular. Christian's idler, sage advice indeed as we contemplate and, and are filled with sadness. We've got so many homeowners across the eastern seaboard are going through. If you're buying or selling in the Illawarra, there's only one place to go, one agency, Zidler Waller. Christian Zidler, great to chat this morning. Lovely. Thanks so much, Jen. Great supporters of this show. Thank you, Christian. We'll be back to him in coming weeks as well. Time for a break, then we're back to wrap it up. Charlie's Liquor Bar. Everyday low prices with four great locations. Tarmore, Albion Park, Unandera and Warilla. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. Yes, it's a sports show, Illawarra-oriented, but we go everywhere. Our thoughts are with the thousands of flood victims around Australia. Our thoughts with the family and friends, of whom there are many indeed, of Shane Warne and the great Rod Marsh. And our thoughts with this West Australian woman, Jo Gittos, 47-year-old, mother of five, terminally ill, sadly, in Bunbury. Uh, not long to live. Five kids, fully vaccinated, but given no visitation rights this week to their dying mother. Unbelievable. Dr Nick Coatsworth um, wrote, this is not a hard decision. The former Deputy Health Chief, he said, this is not a hard decision. Well, apparently it was for Mark McGowan and Bunbury Hospital, the minister involved. Have some humanity, drop the fear, make it bloody well happen that these kids are given access to their mum without any limitations. They've eased slightly half an hour. My goodness gracious, fix that mess. But let's finish with Warney Tim Barrow. Yeah, I remember he's 99, not out. He, he, he 
had a bit of a go with the bat. Australia were in uh, in a fair bit of trouble in the deciding test against New Zealand. Got to 99. His first test century beckoned. What does he do? He slog sweeps Daniel Vittori. Mark Richardson's under it. And the Wacker crowd, they were stunned that he didn't get his 100. But what happened after that? It turned out to be a no ball. And he <laughs> should right. have survived to have another shot. He scored the most test runs without a century. The great Shane Warne passing overnight at 52 years of age. The victim of a suspected heart attack in Thailand. A heavy heart around the country as we embrace the Maradona of Australia, I suppose. A man who made his name, whose life changed with this ball in 1993. First ball in test cricket in England for Shane Warne. And he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. Gatting has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. He still doesn't know. He asked Kenny Palmer on the way out. Kenny Palmer just gave him a raised eyebrow and a little nod, and that's all it needed. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.